G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Connecting faith to life. Vision. The story. I was bullied as a child. I was pretty much called a piece of dirt. Really? So I believed that. I didn't value myself. I didn't value the gifts that God had given me. And I just thought for people to like me, that I had to buy their love. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Today, quite frankly, we have one that starts off very sad. Mazo Callahan from Canberra was bullied as a child and felt like she had to buy other people's affection. Fortunately, since putting her faith in Christ, she has discovered her true value as a child of God. And now she's working with young people in ministry and is helping them see their priceless value as well. Maz will share the incredible way God has brought healing to her life today on The Story. She's chatting with Karen Hunt. And parents, due to some of the subject matter that will be discussed relating to sexual abuse, it's not recommended for younger children. I grew up in Canberra. Yeah. And when I first became a Christian, I moved to Wollongong for five years. Mm-hmm. And then I went to Dubbo to Cornerstone Christian Community and studied there for a year. Did you? It was a great year out to develop my relationship with God and learn how to share life and really look for um, what God wanted me to do with my life. Mm, And I've heard lots of great stories about true, real depth Christian community. Yeah. Yeah. Living in each other's pockets will do that to you. Mm -hmm. You work together, you live together and you study together. Mm. So, you know, it's a bit of iron sharpens iron. Definitely. It is a beautiful community to live in and to be part of. And it's something that I miss, that whole community of believers living together Mm. because sometimes it's like living in church. Mm. You know, you go from morning devotions to studying and reading the Bible, morning through to lunch, and, and then you go to work together and you try and encourage each other to do your best at work and stuff. And then you come home and sit around and just talk about life but talk real stuff about life and that was something that I really appreciated about my time at Cornerstone. So a special season in your lifetime, hey? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was beautiful. Okay, let's rewind though, Maz. Let's go back to your early days. You said you grew up in Canberra. What was life like for you growing up in that man-made city smack bang between Sydney and Melbourne? Huh? Well, it was a great place to grow up in. Um, I'm one of four. I have world's greatest parents. Yeah. All of my friends wanted to be part of our family because our parents were so good. Oh, how nice. Yeah, and I think part of that came in rules and discipline yeah. and boundaries. My parents were pretty strict and I appreciate that. So I knew where the line was. And if I crossed it, there was consequences. Where did you fit um, in the family line? I'm number three. Uh-huh. So I've got an older sister. She serves in Indonesia. My brother and his wife still living in Canberra. And my little sister and her husband are serving in a church in Canberra as well. And what about your mum and dad? 
Mum and dad are still in Canberra. Yeah. Dad's a carpenter and mum is a teacher. She teaches at TAFE, so she does adult education. Mm-hmm. Just hard-working, loving, godly parents. And, yeah, I'm really grateful for the way that they instilled God's love in me, mm-hmm. even though there was a time that I walked away from him. Mm. Well, speaking of hardworking, I mean, right now you're a hardworking youth worker, working with country youth in Coonabarabran there in New South Wales. But again, growing up with your strong, loving family, what were the teenage years like for you? Teenage years were pretty woeful. I was bullied as a child, so from about the age of eight onwards, I was bullied. And I think when you speak something over somebody, they eventually believe it. Mm. So just to keep it clean, I was I was pretty much called a piece of dirt. Really? So I believed that. I didn't value myself. I didn't value the gifts that God had given me. And I just thought for people to like me that I had to buy their love so that started the slippery slope of stealing I would steal money from my parents Mm. and I would buy junk food Mm -hmm. and people would ask me for lollies Mm. so then I thought when they asked me that then they were my friends yeah and that started sort of when I was about nine or ten and continued throughout my teenage years and I guess instead of buying harmless lollies and junk food it got onto drugs and alcohol and cigarettes started smoking when I was about 13 and then I started smoking marijuana when I was about 14 and that was my drug of choice I was living sort of a double life because my parents didn't know I thought they didn't know that I was into drugs but as I've grown up they've sort of said to me we knew you were into something but we didn't quite know how to how to address it with you so we just kept loving you Mm. and I really appreciate that about my mum and dad they love me through the hard stuff so just rewind Um, Maz just just rewind so you said you were called this particular name and names do hurt whether people say they do or they don't they do yeah yeah you were eight years old you said Yeah, I was about eight when it started. And was this just one person ongoing or a group of people? There was a few main instigators, but there was sort of the the boys at school that would give me quite a hard time. And when it didn't sort of ease up, I would retaliate. I had quite a fiery temper, so I would lash out at them and... And, you know, chase them and try and punch them and really just have an angry meltdown. So that became part of who I was, having real anger issues. So was that purely from frustration with those guys? Yeah, it just rose and... It escalated. Yeah, like I never did anything to them. Mm-hmm. So why are you giving me a hard time? Mm. You know, I, I try and love and one of the things my parents taught me was put other people before yourself Mm -hmm. so I always tried to do that you know I always tried to take care of people and make sure other people were okay but they just felt like they had the right to tear me down and Mm. they didn't have that right 
and it's one of the things that drives me to make a difference in young people's lives and try and educate them on you don't have the right to tear mm. other people down. Mm. If you're going to say something, make sure it's building somebody up because mm. you don't know, even if you're just joking, you, know, you don't know the effect that that is going to have on that person. Maz, you know the scripture that has become the golden rule, as they say, do to others as you would want them to do to you. The essence mm. of bullying is simply to elevate yourself. Hey, putting mm. someone else down in order to put yourself up and make you feel better, make you feel boosted. But sadly to say, the perpetrators are generally the ones who feel so lowly themselves. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I know that one of the guys who bullied me quite harshly, he is not in a good place in life. And my heart hurts for him because he has just struggled throughout his mm. whole life. It's only God in my life that has given me that freedom to be able to have that compassion for him. Mm. Because he he was one of the harshest offenders. When we were 11, we used to ride home sort of the same way. He just lived around the corner from me and he actually asked me to do him sexual favours. Mm. And I thought, if I do this, he might stop bullying me. So I did. And it didn't stop. It backed off a little bit, but it didn't stop. And Karen, the only reason that I can say that is because God has set me free from that shame. God has set me free from thinking that I was a dirty little person and that's why I did it. Mm. I wasn't. I was a kid and I didn't know what I was doing. Mm. I just wanted the bullying to stop. Yeah. So... If one of your kids is getting bullied out there, any of you parents listening, don't turn a blind eye to it. Investigate it because my mum did try and investigate it. This young man didn't want to address it. So when we went to his house, he nicked off over the back fence sort of thing. And now his life has turned out really bad. So it's not just for your child's welfare. It can be for the best of the bully as well. And if somebody's willing to actually stand up and say, this is not on, you can't do this, then somebody else is going to listen up and say, well, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. So, Maz, did you and your family succeed in getting support from the school or wider community? Not that I can remember. Was it more hush-hush, sweep under the carpet? Yeah, it was hush-hush. I wasn't able to tell my parents, I call it the Scout Hall incident, about the Scout Hall incident until middle of last year Mm. so the light has been brought on that and it's just created so much freedom which I'm so grateful to God for. So did you change schools did you move how did that suddenly stop? Well I moved from primary school to high school so Uh New South Wales year six you finish primary school and you're going to year seven so he went to a different high school Uh thankfully. Yes. There were a couple of bullies at high school but um, it never sort of got that that physically bad. There was still the emotional kind of taunting and whatnot, but I just sort of developed a thicker skin because I had to, I guess. And my drug use was sort of compensating, I guess, for the pain and hurt that I was feeling because of all of those years of bullying.
You're listening to The Story. Today, Karen Hunt is chatting with Maz O'Callaghan from Canberra about how she was bullied as a child and had a low self-image. Fortunately, that's not how the story ends. Next, we'll hear how her life turns around and she finds her true value as a child of God. That and more when we return. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. We're continuing with Karen Hunt chatting with Maz O'Callaghan from Canberra about how she was bullied as a child and suffered from a low self-image. Unfortunately, going into her teenage years, Maz's life took a turn for the worse before things got better. I was desperate to fit in, so I fit into the smokers crowd. So that was um, when I was 13, Mm -hmm. and then I tried marijuana for the first time at 14 and I tried alcohol the first year but marijuana was easier to get hold of so that was my drug of choice. When I was younger it was only sort of maybe once a week on sort of on the weekend Mm -hmm. and then sort of 15, 16, 17 sort of became a regular occurrence when I was in college in year 11 and 12 I was smoking every day pretty much throughout my college because I had friends that smoked every day so we would do whatever we needed to do to get money to buy drugs and I even sold drugs for a little while there to support my habit. What else was in your world at that time other than your study and drug taking? Well there was a lot of loneliness and and self-hatred I couldn't believe the things that I was doing. I was sort of living this double life, you know. I'd go home and sort of play um, good number three daughter, do as I was asked to do at home, but then sneakily try and work my way out of the house and go and hang out with boys. And there was a fair bit of promiscuity throughout my teenage years because I thought that that was another way that I could fit in and and relate and um, have somebody... Yeah, yeah, and have somebody love me. Mm -hmm. It's not true. (laughs) It's just hurtful. It doesn't actually, it doesn't do anything for you to be promiscuous besides cause you pain. Maz, tell us of the time when you came to a realisation, hey, I, Marion O'Callaghan, need help. I think there was a few times where that sort of happened I went to Wollongong, my big sister was getting married, mm-hmm. her and her husband were Christians and my little sister was living in a house full of Christians as well. I went there with the thought of they are not going to get me. If they Bible bash me, then I'm just going to give them what for and they didn't and it was actually the first week in a very long time that I was straight for sort of two or three days in a row. Mm. How did that feel? It felt good at the time because I was surrounded by people who were full of God's love and joy and peace. Mm. And I sort of was like, what are these people on? Mm -hmm. Like, I have never seen a drug that can do this. Mm. Because as I got older, I tried harder drugs and stuff. And I was about 20 at this stage. So I was really digging my own grave, 
my sister and her husband really centred their wedding around Jesus and what he had done for us and the fullness of life that he brings to us. That night, there was a harvest crusade, a Greg Laurie harvest crusade. Oh, true story. I actually wanted to get out of cleaning up after the reception. <laughs> yeah. um, so, so I said to my little sister, how about we go to this harvest thing? And she was like, yeah, 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 let's go, let's go. So I went and Jennifer Knapp was singing and um, Greg Laurie was speaking and it was nice and, you know, people gave their heart to Jesus and my little sister sort of nudged me and said, you know, go on, go down the front, give your heart to Jesus. And I was like, no way, man. Like, as if, I'm not going to do that in this setting and you're not going to push me. But then as I was walking home, I was just really sad and lost. Mm. And we, we got back to the house where I was staying. It was called Mamas. It was um, full of Christian women who were at uni. And I spoke to one of the girls there. Her name was Anna. And I said, oh, can I just talk to you for a minute? She said, yeah, sure. Go into my bedroom. I'll be in in a minute. I went into this bedroom and little did I know, I didn't know until about five years after it happened, she got the whole house praying for me. Everybody was in the lounge room praying for me. And she came in and she said, you know, what's up? And I said, I just, I feel really sad and lonely and like I'm digging my own grave and I see you guys and you're so happy and joyful and you're loving life. And you're doing it all without drugs and alcohol and mm. I want what you have. And um, she said, well, you need to ask Jesus into your heart. And I was like, okay, how do we do that? Mm. You saw the light. You saw the light. Yeah, yeah. So she prayed for me and I sat there absolutely stunned and frozen and not able to speak for a good five minutes. And I just remember I just, like the words were on the tip of my tongue. I just couldn't say them. But God knew what was going on in my heart. Um, I gave my heart to the Lord that night and she challenged me. She said, you know, I think you need to tell somebody about this. And I was like, no, 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 no (laughs) way, no way. Because I didn't want to disappoint anybody because part of my people pleasing, I hate disappointing people. So I didn't. But I went to church the next night and I went back to the house and one of the other girls there, her name was Corinne, She said to me, so did you like church? And I said, oh, yeah, it was okay. She said, so do you think you'll go back? And I said, yeah, yeah, I think I will. She gave me this hug. It was literally the most loving hug that I had ever had from a person, ever. Besides my family, nobody has ever hugged me like that. There's something about a big, warm bear hug, hey? Absolutely, absolutely. (laughs) To this day, she's my best friend. How nice. And um, we've walked some um, pretty hard roads together. She encourages me every day in my walk with Jesus. Yeah, I love her to death. Her and her husband and her three kids now. Yeah, they're serving God in Wollongong. Wow, that was fantastic. How the love of God broke through and comforted her troubled heart especially after everything she has gone through. Her friend who gave her that big hug was like Jesus with skin on, bringing warmth and the love of Christ into her heart. And that love went a long way towards setting her on the path to healing and growth. Next, we fast forward in her life to where she begins to do youth work after having studied for a year at Cornerstone Christian Community in Dubbo. Part of Cornerstone is team. So on second year... The community sends you out to do youth work in a town. So you do youth work 
part-time, work part-time, and you minister full-time. Yeah, so God gave me my dream job, and he allowed me to work with youth, and I'm still here doing that. Um, I had a little stint off, about six months off, and... Yeah, we try and open the doors to the young people to create a safe environment free of drugs and alcohol and bullying. Mm -hmm. Just create a place where young people can come and socialise with their friends and know that there's somebody to have a chat with if they need to talk about something. There's always something to eat. If you've got teenagers, you've got to have food. Yeah, that helps. (laughs) And on Friday nights, I'm actually really enjoying having a family meal together. Mm. So Friday night, we're open until 9 o'clock and we cook a main meal and sit around a table and there can be four of us, there can be 20 of us. But we say grace together and we sit and we have a family meal. For some of these young people, it's the only time they sit around a dinner table Mm. and it's so beautiful to watch them interact with each other and, you know, use their manners and be grateful for the meal that has been cooked for them and go back for seconds and thirds and fourths (laughs) and eat all their vegetables and, yeah, just the joy and the privilege that that brings to my heart. I just am very grateful to be able to spend time with those young people. And you're obviously very passionate about what you're doing and uh, I think that is absolute testimony to your own story and identifying with these young people in their current walk in life. Honey, can you share with us just about your own healing journey? Sure. A couple of years ago, I heard Bronwyn Healy from the Hope Foundation Ah. um, interviewed and I thought there's an amazing woman with an amazing story. So I made contact with them and I've been receiving support from them for the last two years. So those hard yards that I was talking about, being open and honest and vulnerable, have been with the Hope Foundation and... Thanks for spending time today. Maz, you are very welcome, and I think your absolute testimony to the concept of God so easily can turn a mess into a message, and the message that you have to share with the young people in your area is the best news ever. It's the good Mm. news. It's the gospel of Jesus to help take them out of what you yourself have experienced, bullying and depression and all the other things that go along with that. Maz, thank you so much for being so raw and so open and so honest with us. God bless you, honey, as you continue in the great work that you're doing with the Coonabarra Brand Drop-In Centre. Thanks, Karen, and to God be the glory. You bet. Amen. That was Karen Hunt chatting with Maz O'Callaghan. And I think Karen just summed it up very well, saying God can turn a mess into a message. And that's exactly what happened in the life of Maz. And I've learned that since this conversation was recorded, Maz has gone on to get further training in ministry in the United States with a desire to grow more in her service to the Lord. Way to go, Maz. You will continue to be a blessing to so many with your story of overcoming such pain in your childhood. As the Bible says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Well, thanks for joining us. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. I got on my knees crying and I picked up the Bible and I just went, all right, God, if you're real, if the words you say in this book are real, then I'm going to put you to the test. And if you don't show up for me, this is going to end up real bad. I'll be in jail before the weekend, so... 
put up or shut up. And I got up and I grabbed all my drugs, needles, pills, steroids, absolutely everything, and threw them all in the bin, grabbed my bag and headed down to the camp. Steve Beazel led a rough life as a nightclub bouncer and constantly sought after the adrenaline rush of violence. But this lifestyle was increasingly unfulfilling and leading him deeper and deeper into despair. God was going to have to break some tough walls if he was going to reach Steve's heart. And that's exactly what happened. We'll find out how next time. The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.